Hello, welcome to another McLaren Fans podcast. Um, joining me this week is Andy Robinson. Say hello, Andy. Hello, everyone. And also Mark Taylor. Say hello, Mark. Evening, everyone. Nice to be here again. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Sarah can't be with us this week. She's uh, not well. So, um, yeah, we've uh, got two of our more popular guests along to join us tonight. My mum listens a lot when I'm on, so that's true. Yeah, we're, we, we're, uh, we're, you know, banging on her listening to it to get our listeners up. So, uh, well, there's quite a few things to talk about. Quite a few things that have been added to the agenda in the last couple of hours today as well. Very true. Yeah. Um, shall we jump straight into the race weekend? Why not? So... Yeah. Um, I was quite optimistic seeing the practice and the qualifying sessions. Um, I think at one point, didn't we have like a P2 and a P5, something like that? Or Friday was great. We, yeah. we had a really, really strong turn up, turn it on, see if it works. We had a great Friday. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, I'm like thinking, well, hang on. I'm, you know, I'm not thinking we're going to win this. I'm thinking... We've got a really good chance of getting some good points here this weekend. That's what I'm thinking, you know, or maybe sneak a podium. Yeah, when McLaren put the tweet out, always saying, like, where do you think we're going to be in qualifying after practice? And genuinely, I was like, we're good at fourth and ninth. We might get fourth and ninth after um, after the practice sessions. And then, then the rain came. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's always a bit of a leveller. Um but yeah, sort of certainly, um, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a shame. Obviously, we were, you know, doing quite well in the, uh, the sort of practice. And then, I mean, was it was it FP3 where the rain was affecting everything? And I, I'm kind of hoping that what we got out of that is a bit of data about how the car runs in the rain. Because especially if we're going to Spa next, we, we probably need to know that. Yeah, yeah. Went went to change off our tires. Be lovely. But I think the optimism remained into quali though. You know, P four and P nine. I think P P four for Lando. I think we had every right to think we were going to be on for a podium. We know what happens at the first corner of Budapest. Yeah, and provided we can stay out of trouble, there's definitely reason to suggest that we would have done really well. But you know, sadly, Bottas was a bit further back to cause trouble this year. <laughs> Yeah, was I was quite... more optimistic. Yeah. Like pr- pr- practice sessions did really give us that, that kind of air of we could be doing something here. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> seem to have a decent enough race pace, and maybe not quite competitive with the front, but certainly best of the rest. That's what I was thinking by by a good margin. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. And on the quality, I thought we executed perfectly really i thought there was um we took the opportunities when we could it was a little bit of a kind of nervous moment from uh q1 with dan i was like oh no don't don't drop out and it was kind of uh, yeah had a bit of luck there so um but yeah comfortably uh both in the top 10 and um lando starting um, 
on on the grid. Fifth, fourth, 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 fourth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Dan Downing, ninth, ninth, ninth. yeah. So um, I, I would have liked to have seen Dan a little bit closer, but when you actually looked at the sort of times for quali and stuff like that, it, this is probably one of the closest qualies that we've seen all year. I think there's like at one point there's a second between every team, which yeah. um, normally there's the top few teams and then the drop off, and then it's bunched together. But it seemed to pretty much a bit of a level of this weekend. Was I also guess FAQ... nobody expected Mercedes to do what they did in quali either. Not at all. Um, I think it was the end of Q2 where Lando, on his last lap, he, he set a purple sector one and then went, went wide slightly and uh, canned the lap, but set purple halfway through, well, right at the end of uh, Q2. That was um, quite ominous for what we could have done in Q3. Yeah, um, certainly, um, you know, it's a solid enough qualifying performance again. And certainly, um, you know, if we can keep that up and keep that going, our aim for the rest of the season has got to be both cars in the Q3, wherever we yeah. place. Um, you know, we're going to beat the Alpines or Peens to the end of the season and get that fourth place. And, we, we, you know, we've got to, qualify well as well as race well so I think that's probably what we're going to aim for and it has to be both cars as well I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the deficit between between our drivers at some point but we've both got to be fighting for points we've, we've both got to be fighting for good points and, and not just leave it to Lando yeah yeah <laughs> essentially um, yeah you can see with the, the race can't you so um, let's go on the race itself I thought Lando had a cracking start, held off Lewis for a good couple of laps. Um, I think once the tyres, the soft tyres started to kind of go, then you know it was a bit of some, you know, a bit of a sitting duck. Then um, it was tyres yesterday, wasn't it? That's, that's yeah. what everyone's going to talk about: tyre choices. And uh, I think our bed was made. Thursday, uh, Friday, Saturday, really. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and I thought Ricardo was quite unlucky. He got kind of uh, whacked up the ass by Magnussen and, uh, you know, right on the opening lap. And no matter what you do, there's always going to be a bit of damage to the floor or something that's going to be. So I thought he did quite well after that. You know, we not seen anything from the team saying that he was carrying damage or anything else like that. But, you know, he looked quite competitive. At one point we had uh, both cars up there in, uh, I think it was sixth and seventh, running pretty uh, pretty good. Um, and then, yeah, probably the best moment of the race for me was when uh, Dan overtook the two Alpines in the one corner, um, you know, I, I, that's the kind of overtake that you see on F1 titles for the next couple of years or on a flashback when, you know, we go back to Hungary 2022 and Daniel Ricciardo took two Alpines in one corner, you know. Um, and I think just, just on that, I think this track was probably the one where we saw the regs this year 
actually make the most difference. People were able to like follow for four or five laps, get really close, and then the usual overtaking spots were still there. One, two, three. Um, but no, just Dan's overtake. We were screaming. We were watching it and screaming. It was, it was, it is one of those takes. Like um, Senna says, if you no longer go for a gap, you're no longer a racing driver. He he saw a, a molecule of a gap and proper put his car right in the in the mix. I uh, gotta love that. We were absolutely adoring that move. Uh, and then you obviously saw Twitter blow up straight away with all the pictures straight. Uh, it's just yeah, he's he's not lost his ability to overtake. Give him a hole and he'll go straight through it. And like you said, Andy, it's one of those those overtakes that you'll you'll see for years to come. It's a bit like the yeah the, the mantle on Senna years ago when they were wheel to wheel, and the you know when when Hakkinen took you know Schumacher and whoever he was lapping in Belgium that time. Zonder, I think it was. Yeah, Sorry, Zonder. Zonder, him even yeah. <laughs> I don't think but, but that, that just shows that he's yeah yeah he's still got it again I'm sure we'll talk about Dan but he's that shows what he's capable of yeah and I, I, if I'm it was kind of almost the race where it showed the best and the worst of Daniel Ricciardo in a McLaren for me um, what was the worst what was the worst yeah. um, well you just you know. Obviously, you got the uh, five-second penalty for hitting Stroll later on, and he locked up, but <sighs> he just went backwards. He just went backwards and backwards, and you can see the, um, you know, I'm, I'm sat there thinking, just even you can just get us one point, just one point would be great, and just backwards and backwards and backwards. I'm just thinking this is just not going to do... <sighs> doing much good you know there's, there's going to be people with knives out on social media and stuff like that now you know it, it turns out you know the quote from him is that he just he struggled he could not turn on the the hard compound tires i guess is the question of you know what why did we put him on the, the hard tires you know um a lot of people have asked that a lot of people have said, why did you pit on the hard tyres? Daniel asked for softs. You know, um, a lot. the team probably got a lot, well, they did get a lot of flame for that on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I guess we can only speculate that they didn't have any soft tyres left. Or... Well, even before the race, uh, Pretty put out their stats before the race every time, saying so what tyres each driver's got. Uh, both our drivers had one new hard, one new medium, and four used softs. Right. So, so really didn't got, have any, yeah, yeah. Really, got no, not much chance. And uh, it's quite interesting, just on the Pirelli point there, that they'd also put out like optimum strategies and alternative strategies, and absolutely nowhere was uh, was it soft, medium, hard that we did, or medium, medium, hard was a was a strategy that they would recommend. Um, hard didn't even feature that there wasn't a hard on any of their strategies no. they avoided like the plague yeah so it's it's kind of yeah and, and it wasn't just us as teams that were ended up in that situation I wonder if we all thought we would get away with a one stop maybe there was going to be a safety car that kind of came out and made a difference but yeah when when the, uh, when the tyres just started to go straight away you kind of thought oh, this is a t- 
two stop risk. I was I was kind of surprised that there wasn't anyone ended up three stopping to be honest. Um, but there was also the weather, the weather factor as well. Everyone was expecting rain. I think the f- first half of the race they were saying rain was coming in thirty minutes, so everyone was expecting to go onto the inters and then or, yeah. or the full. In case you wouldn't need to run two compounds. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a good point. But didn't come, didn't come right until the end. Yeah, yeah. When the race had finished, how many times does that happen? The race finishes and then you got cut to the actual coverage in the pit lane and it chugging it down. You're like, why couldn't you have come 20 minutes earlier so we would have like, you know, had a bit more excitement in the race? Yeah, dry race, wet Ted Kravitz. That's how it yeah. goes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do remember him trying to drum up sympathy sort of towards the end of the race, saying, "Oh yeah, just just feel sorry for me while I'm sort of going up and down the pit lane when it's absolutely chucking it down." <laughs> but, uh... I'm sure he has a very nice Sky Sports brolly. Well, I might have just been nicked by Liz and being his friends. Who knows? Um, yeah, so obviously we finished P7 for Lando, which I thought was, given the, the cars in front, all of the cars were, were faster. Um, well, they are obviously going to be, you know, at the end of the race. But sort of, you know, if you'd said Lando finishes P7 behind two Mercs, two Ferraris and two Red Bulls, you'd kind of go, all right, well, fair enough. We've done the best that we can. So pretty happy with that. But Dan in P15 and the two Alpines scoring points, kind of a little bit of a punch in the stomach. Bit of a body blow. It, it, it was probably we to be out there, didn't we? Like, um, we scored as many points as the Alpines, though, right? So the gap didn't go anywhere. Yep. I think I was going to say, in fairness, it's it was probably to be expected that we did finish a little bit lower, um, given that the two Red Bulls were completely out of position. Um, but I think that doesn't sort of take away from probably the disappointment of Dan losing six places. Yeah, yeah, and, and pretty quickly as well, really. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I guess the other thing that came up was obviously you got a five-second penalty as well and you know let's let's be honest we don't know how true this is but there's quite a bit of speculation once again on twitter um that it, basically the pit wall told him about 15 minutes after he'd been given the penalty that he'd had a pet that he has a penalty <laughs> uh, i'm kind of thinking there must be a reason for that there must be a reason andy well, why does he need to know right if, if you're racing you don't need the extra distraction of all the anger of I've got a five-second penalty and to try and justify and break a bit later or accelerate a bit earlier. Just let him race. He's not going to be able to go any faster. He's already at the maximum he's doing. I'm at the school of thought that don't tell him unless they need to know. If he crosses a line, and they're giving him times every lap saying you need to be doing this time, yeah. they don't ever justify why. If, if the reason for giving them that time is to build that five-second gap to the car behind, he doesn't need to know the rest of that sentence. He just needs to know a time to hit. I, I'm definitely a school of thought. Don't give them too much information, or, or don't change the mental state so they're angry about something. Yeah, um, keep it from them. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking it might have been that you know we were expecting to do maybe another pit stop, um, maybe under a safety car or something like that, and then you know we don't lose so much time then. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's also a very good point. I think I think that's, Andy's absolutely right in what he says there. The, the other side Mitch and <laughs> And they are. The one who knows what he's talking about. Oh, yes, that one. 
<laughs> no, the, the other school of thought of that is that if you tell him he's got the five-second penalty, yeah, that gets him angry, maybe he gets his drive a bit better, builds that gap to the car behind. And maybe you're right, if he hasn't got a pit stop coming up, there's no need to tell him. But at the same time, if he has got a pit stop coming up, still tell him so he knows why they're not working on the car for five seconds. And, and then, he's, then if they don't tell him, then he said, well, I could have driven a bit harder and just built that gap even more. And we wouldn't have lost as much time as we're going, going to now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think you know maybe there's a lot of people getting angry about nothing there, um, and, and yeah, you know, welcome to the. You agree to disagree. That's all. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, just, yeah. Um, but just on on pit stops. Um, oh, here we go. Well, no, no, no. Um, obviously, uh, obviously, Sarah's not here this week, but she did send me through some pit stop information, and uh, once again. We are the second fastest pit stop of this weekend, which is great. A bit more consistency again. Um, you know, it's, it's good to see, you know. They were all noticeably slower, though, weren't they? But yeah, they yeah not just us. Not just us. Everybody was, yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. Like Something different about Hungary or the temperature or, or mm-hmm. something. Every team went sl- their normal plus a second or two seconds. Yeah, yeah. Isn't the um, pit lane limit a bit slower in Hungary? Isn't it a bit tighter than normal, so it's a bit slower than the others, or are they all the same now? I don't know. It's a shorter pit lane lost time because the the at last corner it's actually faster if you do it in the pit lane for the last corner by a second. But okay. that is the only stat I know about the pit lane in Hungary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, we, we you know came out of that with uh yeah we got some points. Um let's let's think that kind of yeah, not quite the end of the first half of the season we probably wanted. But yeah, Alpine are, are now on ninety nine points. We're on ninety five. We can still catch them. Loads of time, loads of races, races where we will be stronger than them. And vice versa. It's going to go right down the last race, I guess. Again, um, just on that. Obviously, it's the sort of summer break. Um, I'm going to ask you both this question. I didn't put it on the agenda, but because um, I wanted you to be on the spot, to be honest. Uh, give me a rating out of ten for the first half of this season and also give me one good point and one bad point. Go for it, Andy. Uh, good point. We've got a podium. Uh-huh. Uh, bad point. We have got about half as many points this time as we did this time last year. Yeah. Um, and what was the first bit? The rating out of 10? Yeah. Um... We have hope. We have good qualifying sessions, good practice sessions. Uh, I'm going seven. Okay. Mark, what about you? I'll agree with the rating. I think it's seven. I think we would like to be further up. Good point. We have a driver who is really sort of being consistent throughout the whole season. And he continues to improve. Um, 
bad point as a team. We're just not consistent at converting Q3s into points yeah. across across the board. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you guys. Seven is kind of, uh, you know, where I think we are. I think if we can finish the season on eight, then that would be good. Um, you know, so yeah. a bit of work to do next thing. Uh, good point and bad point. Both for me are Bahrain and Bricks, as we kind of know. And the bad point is the fact that we had that problem in the first place. The good point is that we actually managed to solve it and we are progressing. Um, you know, we, I reckon we're still a month or two behind a lot of other teams and probably won't catch up too much until next year in that respect. Um, but we seem to have a consistently decent car, reliable, and doing the other things right. I think we're just a little bit off the pace and a little bit off the development because we had to kind of throw everything at the brakes when we had that problem. And hopefully that's all sorted. It, it was interesting seeing the development of the brakes from some welded pieces of, um, I'm assuming, steel or something. Uh, and obviously not steel, it's too heavy, but then to, to sit through a few races with these uh, fudged brake discs to then see the actual proper nice carbon fiber brake disc come in and, and the impact of that. Um, it was interesting to see how we uh, adapted to something that just wasn't anywhere near right. Our, our brakes were a proper issue right at the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to, you know, maybe if we find out a little bit more information on that come the end of the season when they say, oh, this is what happened or anything else like that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, there's promise. Let's hope, hope there's a bit of progress towards the end of the year. And, um, yeah, kind of doing okay. So uh, let's talk about uh, Alonso. So, yeah, today Alonso kind of uh, dropped the bombshell that he was moving from Alpine to Aston Martin, which I've got to say, I didn't see it coming. No chance. No. But I, I even thought that, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if he retired at the end of this year. I would have been going, yeah, fair enough. Done all right. I mean, he has done pretty well in that Alpine. So I'm surprised that he's even moving from there. I, I kind of, you know, it, it's that same thing. It now makes sense why Vettel announced his retirement at the beginning of the weekend. Um, because obviously, you know, if Alonso announces that he's going there and Vettel still sat in a seat and there's a lot of questions over there's a lot of questions over Vettel straight away because we all know that you know Lance Stroll is not getting kicked out of that team anytime soon um, but I guess it brings that question is what happens next who goes where next when um, when the announcement came he's got a multi-year deal and the first thought in my head was their facilities that they've invested all that money in, he's got to have seen something there for next year. Yeah. Yeah. They've built an incredible facility. It's still being built even. But uh, he's going to walk all over Lance Stroll. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting what the inter-team dynamic is going to be like. We all know that 
you know, from experience and having talked to people in <laughs> positions in mechanics and people in teams when Alonso has been there, it is very much all about Team Alonso, nothing else. So, yeah, that could be quite interesting. It could be fireworks. Is it Mark Priestley's book where he shows that he talks about um, uh, the mechanic, it's called? Uh, I think it, I'm either remembering this wrongly, and I'm sorry if I am, that Alonso paid off a lot of the mechanics' mortgages to like get their loyalty like intrinsically into him. And he used to do lots of things for the mechanics to just get their loyalty to be him, not for both sides of the garage. Um, that's a, that's one way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard something similar. Yeah, I wonder how that would work. I wonder how that would work when his teammates, the son of the team owner. Well, we'll find out next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I was going to say, like like Andy said, I I can't see the logic in it unless he's seen something at the factory that says they're going to be at the front of the grid. Well, but then, in fact, you well, can also. Right. Yeah, but has Fernando been down this road before when he came back to us in the Macondi years? And let's be honest, that didn't exactly work out well for him. No, but I guess people at Alpine are probably sitting there going, great, next year we're going to have a really competitive car and fight for wins. Because every time he's left, the cars that he's left have intrinsically got better quite considerably for the year after. And they'll have a lot of extra money to, to play with because now they're not having to pay Fernando or whatever. He's getting paid because I think it's fair to say that, well, Ocon's probably going to stay. Yeah. Uh, and the, the smart money seems to be on Piastri finally getting an F1C. Yeah. You think that's the case? Or I'm just going to throw it out there. You think they're going to go for Danny Rick, get him back? No. No. <laughs> I, I think Dan nailed his flag to the mast last week and when he did the um, talk with uh, Ted in the um, in the brand centre yeah. he's like I'm with McLaren next year there's no question I don't I don't need to make statements or anything because I'm with them next year yeah. um, so it didn't end that well did it at the end of his um, Renault days no but Cyril's not there anymore yeah Cyril's not did him and Sarah ever fall out, or did he just sort of wasn't working out for him and he wanted to change? I don't think Sarah was too happy about Dan leaving in any way, shape, okay. or form. He was there. Well, that's, that's, that's fair enough, but, wasn't he? but that was a decision made when Sarah was still there. Yeah. But not there anymore. I, I, yeah. I don't see a reason for him to go back. No, no. No, I don't. I'm just putting it out there. I think it's uh, yeah. yeah. Um, There's a few F2 drives I'd like to see up there, just just to see if they can make it. Yeah, and some of them are making some good waves, but um, could we rule out Schumacher going over? I know it's not F2, obviously, but yeah, but I I could see him going to a top team somewhere, someone else. Um, quite possibly, maybe ending up in the Alpha with the Ferrari connections. Say so I can't see Schumacher going anywhere other than a Ferrari powered team. Yeah, pretty much. So um yeah. You know that could happen. Who knows? Um yeah, and I guess I guess on the back of that, uh something you mentioned earlier, Mark, about engines. Yeah. 
Well, I think I think we've had we talked about silly season with uh, drivers moving around. We've we've had the news that the VW Group are coming in uh, in the form of you know Porsche with Red Bull and Audi probably with Alf, well we will Salva as they'll probably go back to be called. Is is it time for us to start looking around for a different engine supplier, or do we stick with Mercedes and perhaps accept that they? won't be too happy if we do end up beating them. I guess the question is that, you know, can we beat Mercedes in a Mercedes-powered car? Um, at this minute in time, yes, we probably can. Can we beat Mercedes in a Mercedes-powered car when the engine is absolutely to the full hilt and everything else like that? Well, I would say yes, we can. We did in Monza last year. So... I don't kind of subscribe to this. You'll never win whilst you've got a Mercedes engine because Mercedes will. But I certainly feel like um, the the engine this year isn't as strong as what they would normally have it. Like I can't see that being two years in a row. I think there'll be more, much more power in that engine next year. Yeah, I, I, I was just thinking as well. I know a lot of people might think it's a bit of a step back, but if Red Bull are going to a VW, you know, Porsche-badged engine, where does that leave Honda? They've, they've not really gone away from, from Formula One, even though they say that they have, and Red Bull have taken the technology, but I, I don't think they'll be away for too long. Mm, I'm, I'm not so sure on that. I think, you know, they've, 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 part of their exit plan was giving the IP up to, to Red Bull, and maybe mm. one. I guess the big question is, are Honda going to be happy with Red Bull sharing their IP with somebody like Porsche, VW Group. But when a Porsche actually coming in, is it from next year or is it? Well, nothing. Well, when, when, Christian Horner said that nothing's signed yet. They've just started initial talks. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 2026. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be far away. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that you know way off that. I mean, if you've driven past Red Bull recently, Milton Keynes, they have almost quadrupled their campus size. That they've got massive warehouses now for engine development, I'd guess. It's, um, it's no longer just a couple of uh, warehouse blocks. It's now a campus. It's, it's huge. Yeah, and he took a lot of people from Mercedes as well. So they, they committed to building Red Bull engines at some point. Yeah, it it just it, it wouldn't take a lot for them to sort of have the people from VW, Porsche, or whatever go to work there if they've got the space there already, or would they just be badged as VW or or Porsche? I don't know. I think it possibly could. Be. Is, it, is it more sponsorship as opposed to engine supply? I think that's probably it could be like, yeah. You know, let's not rule out rule out the fact that it could come. It could come in with Andretti or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we all... used to have the tag badged engine, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, we had a Lamborghini badged engine at one point. Peugeot as well, I think. I think Martin the Lamborghini was just Peugeot. the test. Yeah. The Lamborghini was just a test and they ended up going with Peugeot instead, didn't they? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think you're right, yeah. But, yeah, Lamborghini or a Peugeot engine. Hmm. <laughs> Take the Lambo. That wasn't Ron's finest hour, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so anything else 
to add from the weekend or anything else from you guys? I'm glad for the break. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. The weekend off. Um, yeah. So if you like the F1, we, we, we're going to take a break on this podcast. Uh, we're going to be back sort of um, mid-September due to a few other commitments. We uh, uh, will be back then, but we will uh, hopefully Sarah will be back then. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that uh, Andy and Mark will join us at some point along the way in the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, everyone have a, a nice little break and we will speak to you all soon. Uh, thanks for joining me, Andy. Thanks also to Mark. Uh, yeah. And that's the uh, end of another McLaren fans podcast.